All right, you've tuned in live. It's the Free Range Human Show of Choice, your daily dose of reality radio. This is the Clay Edwards Show. I'm, of course, Clay Edwards. We are live here on 103.9 FM, WYAB, streaming worldwide at WYAB.com, as well as the TuneIn app and Alexa. Just search <clears throat> WYAB. Of course, if you miss any of this show, the podcast is always available. Today is episode 628 or 29. I can't remember off the top of my head. Anyway, a lot of content on that podcast website or all those podcast platforms for you to dive into if you want to catch up. <clears throat> anyway, we got Sean Yurtkaran here in the studio with us. Sean, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? Good, brother. Good. Uh, Russ Latino with Magnolia Tribune will be joining us here shortly in the next uh, segment or two, and he'll, he'll roll with us till 9 o'clock, I believe. We'll get all Russ's insight and analysis on the upcoming election. And Russ is just a good, fun guy to talk to anyway. So, Oh, yeah, definitely. I don't want to bog people down with too much election stuff. I did it all day yesterday, but I think there's some good points to cover. And he's got a new article that dropped it this morning. Or yeah, he just now? yeah he texted me. He said he just dropped one about it's about Brandon uh, Presley's fundraisers. Okay, the one uh, the, the people that the donors, the excuse donors, me, yeah. the donors. Yeah, his because he's a um, one part. I haven't read the whole article yet because he just sent it to me. But it looks like at this point, Brandon's got double the money Jim Hood had four years ago. So that's yeah. going to be interesting how that happened. And yeah, so and I'm I, sure Russ will be able to talk about that. Yeah, I mean you had some ideas on that, but we'll save them till he gets here and, and discuss it with him. I, I think. Probably makes the most sense, in my opinion. All right, well, look, we got Sean in here. We talked about a case yesterday. I, I think I want to start here. Sean being a former prosecutor and all that good stuff, former uh, assistant Hines County DA. <clears throat> There's this case of Joshua Brown, and forgive me for not having the his, his co-conspirator, alleged co-conspirator name with me here, but this was the JSU campus shooting. And there's a lot of scuttlebutt that this guy's innocent based on video evidence of him being somewhere else at the time that this would have have happened of course there's no video of him being there at the exact time it's like 30 minutes later 40 minutes later stuff of that nature but it's all the way in Hattiesburg and they're saying hey man it's 98 miles or whatever it is from Jackson to Hattiesburg and then if you figure in red lights and uh, there's not gonna be a whole lot of traffic at 10 o'clock on a or nine o'clock on a Saturday night or Sunday night whatever it was it, it, there's a here, Sean. Me and you said the same thing, off air. I, I would, I, I, if this guy's innocent, I want him out yesterday. Of course, uh, yeah. You, you know, I think we can all agree on that. But you feel like there's a reason why that JSU police and they, they fall under the purview of the Department of Public Safety. Thank you. Yeah, transportation was stuck in my head. Department of Public Safety. So it's not, this isn't like some rent a cop type organization down there. This, no, there's a they're, legitimate law enforcement organization. Yeah, for people, it's not like campus cops, right? Like yeah. it's a, it's a, it, they're a very professional organization. They do a really good job. That was, in, I was just telling you at the, uh, before the show, that's when I went to Los Angeles for that big murder case. Um, they were the ones that handled the primary investigation of that. And then, and then Jack, uh, and then, JPD picked it up after that, and the FBI, but they uh, they did a great job. So they're it's a very professional organization group, folks. Yeah. So the best of my understanding, based on everything I've read, this is still in their hands. JPD has not been handed the baton on this thing. Yeah, did it? And I don't know the exact like where. Was it? Did it happen on campus? On campus. Okay. At so the on campus apartment. Mm-hmm. 
you know. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, JPD, I would assume, has concurrent jurisdiction, but I don't know that for a fact, but I assume they do. Because every oh, time I've dealt yeah, with yeah. with uh, any issue at Jackson State, JPD would be involved to a certain degree. So, so we got a little clip here. This is the most recent uh, audio from the so – it says uh, – Family member of accused JSU student speaks out. Let's get the latest here, and then we'll kind of dive into it. This is on WLBT.com. On your side. We continue to bring you updates on our coverage of the ongoing Jackson State murder investigation. In a story you'll only see on WLBT, family members of the accused shooting suspect Joshua Brown are speaking out. Three on your side's Joseph Doring joins us now with their exclusive reaction. Joseph. Maggie, over the last several days, we've been the first to show you evidence that could prove Joshua Brown was nowhere near JSU during the deadly shooting of Jalen Burns. But Brown still remains in the Hines County Detention Center while his friends and family want answers. You got two kids sitting in jail, falsely accused, and you got a family that's going to have to relive everything all over again. They failed not only Jameson and Josh, they failed Jalen's family. Shanae Martin and Kenyatta Patrice, both from Columbia and both cousins of 19-year-old Joshua Brown. Brown is accused of shooting 21-year-old Jalen Burns on Jackson State University's campus the night of October 15th. But evidence we first showed you this week suggests Brown was nowhere near JSU at the time of the shooting. Rather, he appeared to be at this Krispy Kreme location in Hattiesburg. I feel like that before they try to just pin a murder on somebody to just investigate first investigate all areas like other witnesses we've shown you martin and patrice claim brown is innocent along with the accused getaway driver jameson kelly they say they've provided evidence to jsu over the last two weeks but have received no response and have you or anyone in your family heard anything from jsu or any police nope. department out there everybody's shut up quiet everybody the the school the students they're all talking on facebook no, no apologies, though. The last time Three on Your Side heard from JSU was Monday when they said all evidence was being examined. I did ask both of Brown's cousins whether they knew if he has any legal representation or update on the evidence suggesting he wasn't at the scene of the crime. He's on the way home. Have you heard anything about Jameson Kelly? He's on the way, too. Both of them. They're, they'll be home soon. When we say they're on their way home, it's because of our faith in God and knowing that he's going to open those doors and release him. And as a community, we're also praying that the Borns family gets the justice that they deserve. No official court date has been set for Brown. Meanwhile, Kelly is expected to have a preliminary hearing November 13th. And we'll continue to bring you updates on this story. Here, Sean, here's what I want to know. Yeah. How did they land on these two guys? as suspects if if they weren't here uh, th- that, that was my question like what what how did they develop these two folks as, as suspects in the case they had they had to have some they had evidence some evidence I, i'm telling you they didn't just pick two guys out randomly and said like, you're the guys like, pick, pick two black guys with dreads and jones county it feels like you could have found that here locally if if that was what you were just shooting fish in a barrel and and, and trying to trying to find a suspect and i'm not saying that to be facetious i'm just saying there's a reason why in my mind that they landed on these two guys. Had they been in town for homecoming weekend? Right. What, did they have some interaction with these suspects? Where is this information coming from? I mean, look, I'm all for a good mystery. 
I love some true crime stuff, and this has got it written all over it. Sure. I mean, and you know, I, I'm not saying innocent people do get indicted, convicted. We've got a history of that. That's yeah. just happened many times. So that's not, you know, but the police, you know, I haven't worked with them for so long. The police are not generally sitting around saying, who can we pin it on that didn't do it? Like, that's not their goal. Yeah. Like, they don't try to do that. They actually want to find who committed these crimes. And well, uh, so I think that they had some evidence, obviously, that led them to these two fellows, and they arrested them for that. Well, what I said yesterday on the show. <clears throat> We watched this during the Polo trial. They were able to use that cell phone data, pinging off those antennas mm-hmm. to pinpoint. Now, granted, there was a mistrial. He's still got to go to trial again. But my point being, the technology exists. Yeah, sure. It, it, and you're going to tell me these guys that neither one have a cell phone in their pocket. Yeah, I mean, and this was how many weeks ago did this occur? Two weeks Two ago. Weeks ago. It depends on how fast they got the cell phone data. Sometimes that could take a while, so they may not even have it yet. And I'm, also, mean, and I'm also highly suspect of there not being any... And they haven't said this. So I'm assuming there is. There's no camera footage. Or all, all, all cameras all over JSU's campus. Mm, that is strange. No. I mean, just saying. It's a first off. It's a college campus. Let's be honest. Jackson's a high crime area. It mm-hmm. would be. It would be reckless and foolish of JSU's to not have cameras all over the place. I mean, I assume they do. I yeah. mean, I've been on that campus many times. I've seen cameras there. I don't know if they're, yeah, like, sure. where, you know, you've been there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I've done catering events there, done all kind of stuff there. Yeah, it's a really actually very nice campus. Oh, it's gorgeous. People, you know? Especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's come a long, long way since the 90s. Um, the uh, So I, I fail to believe there's not some, there's some kind of evidence they've got that put these guys there. Yeah. And, and I think everybody's hinging their hopes on well, the call came in at this time, and somewhere between 13 and 33 minutes later, they were spotted in Hattiesburg, Hattiesburg at yeah. a gas station initially, and then at the Krispy Kreme. I mean, do we know what time exactly the murder did someone occurred? Like, like I mean, I'm just saying, did someone discover the body later? Or I, how I, I want to don't quote me on this. It's around yeah. 9:30 at night. Sure. And I don't, I don't know. Then that's the thing. That's when the call came in. Exactly. That's when that was my question, right? And then. I don't know how they're getting 13 to 33 minutes later either. It was on the timestamp of the, of the gas station where they called them initially or not. But mm-hmm. let's just say 30 minutes later. Sure. From Jackson to Hattiesburg. Which takes 90 minutes usually. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's 45 from Florence to mm-hmm. to, to Hattiesburg. And yep. I mean, that's if you were chugging. Chugging it. And yeah. don't get I always say 90 minutes usually. Yeah, it's, it's an about, hour and a half yeah, from half. Jackson yep. to Hattiesburg, mm-hmm. it, you know, fairly. Yeah. And that's, that's floating at 70. Mm-hmm. So I, I just – Again, if this guy's innocent, I, I love seeing people fight for folks. And I love seeing uh, people being passionate about it. But I'm just, I just, I, I want to play a little wait and see approach, and I don't mind bringing attention to it. And yeah, I mean, the if the guy's innocent, it. obviously, like yeah. you know, do all you can. But I think you know, we're talking before the show. Just because somebody comes up and says, "Hey, we've got evidence the guy's innocent," doesn't mean the police automatically say, "Okay, well, bye." You know, there you go. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason they develop people as suspects. I assume maybe in this case they had some witnesses come forward and talk to them. That's would be my assumption. That's what happened, and that's mm-hmm. what led them to these guys. I'm uh, just speculating, but I assume that's what happened. And um, you know, we don't again, like you said, we don't know what time the murder happened yeah. yet from the information that's out there. So I mean, it could have happened an hour before that, and somebody just found the body. Which I don't know. I, mean, I don't know that that's the scenario, but that could have been it. I mean. In your experience as an ADA here, I mean, p- people don't always call 911 when crime happens in Jackson. No, that's not right. It's not. I mean, sometimes, you know, unless people were there at the shooting, maybe yeah. there was people there that saw the shooting. And, or, and maybe so. Cause I, I've yeah. heard varying reports of how this thing unfolded. It was like this guy was came in between two guys uh, that were about to fight over a girl or something mm-hmm. or another. And I, I've heard multiple things. So maybe mm-hmm. the girl is the witness. 
And to your point, you just said it, actually. That's exactly right. The uh, People don't always call in. Because, folks, you know, the, the what I always used to hear, and I'm sure you've even heard this, even in the club business, I don't want to be a rat. Yeah. Like that's a that's a big thing. I mean, mm-hmm. like it's like I don't want to say anything, and so it's it not. Pay, that, it makes you a target, exactly. And so sometimes your first inclination, and you see a, a shooting, is not to. You, you would think it was like I'm going to call the police, but that's not true. I mean, that's not that's not necessarily the way everybody in different life experiences have grown up. Or yeah. that's like I'm not the police are actually my enemy, so I'm not going to call them and have them come over here. You know, that could have happened. It's a very and I, and one. For the record, I 100% disagree with that mentality, and that's kind of sure. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what's got Jackson in the case in the situation it's in. We need more snitches, Mm -hmm. but keep snitching. Keep snitching. snitching. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, the Guns and Gear text line seven six nine two four one nineteen forty four seven six nine two four one nineteen forty four. If you want to chime in via text, if you want to call in six zero one eight seven nine zero 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 Two, this is the Clay Edwards Show with Sean York Cron. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. We're live here on 103.9 FM, WYB. Hey, guys, tonight for dinner, get out to Acme Pizza and Daiquiri's right there. Fan and Mart on the res. They open at 4 p.m. daily, and they're open late till midnight That's Acme Pizza and Daiquiri's. They're available on all your major food delivery apps, including Take a Break Deliveries and other locally, uh, nationally owned delivery services. Try one of their 12 specialty pizzas, including the Pig, Pig, Pig. They got a hamburger pizza, a taco pizza, and a buffalo wing, hot wing pizza. They got all kind of great stuff out there at Acme Pizza and Daiquiri's. So, Give it a whirl. Give it a try. And uh, tell them that Clay sent you. Don't forget they got daiquiris to go. Nine different flavors of daiquiris to go. And, of course, 12 specialty pizzas. Guys, let me tell you how to do this. They're trying to plug some headphones in here, and I can't stay silent any longer. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all get it? No. Good? No, Russ is not working. Give give Russ the, the uh, plug plug Russ's into the gray cord. And you plug yours, unplug I, that black cord. I did that. Yeah, yeah. let me, let me just, let me, well, no, wait, just no, wait, you're right. No, I did not, actually. I'm yeah, not. try that. Does that work? Nope. No. That's all right, though. No. I can hear you. Unless we get a phone call. We really don't need the headphones. All right. So, Russ, Latino, Magnolia Tribune. What's going on, brother? Man, I'm doing well. How are you guys? We're doing good, man. I was listening to you guys as I was driving in, and I thought that there was a lot of wisdom in what you were saying, taking a wait-and-see approach, right? Um, these things have a way where a bit of information will leak out and you think, well, clearly the police are right. And a bit more of information will leak out and you'll think, well, clearly the the defendant's right. And uh, it's smart to just kind of sit back and, and let the evidence play out before you rush to judgment on these things. Well, I think so, because I think at the end of the day, there's a reason why they've, they've, they've honed in on these two random kids from down in Jones County. One's a former Jones County football player. I'm not sure, the, the getaway driver, I'm not sure where he's based out of i'm not sure if he's still living in jones county one is a current jones county football player living down there in jones county i'm I'm trying to understand how did they just pick these two guys out of of nowhere there's a reason that the investigation led them Mm -hmm. to them Uh, and if it's not it's 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 very uh very very uh, unusual i was saying before i think it's probably some sort of uh witness 
came forward to Jackson State Police Department and told them, hey, this, <laughs> these guys or whatever. Yeah. That seems like to be the way it probably what probably happened. Yeah. We obviously don't know, again, that what we said before, the time span for which that happened. It could have been one hour, two hours, three hours, who knows. So when you were a prosecutor, you guys didn't have a wheel where you put pictures on the wheel and spun it around and said, this guy today. You know, we just were like, we're going to get this guy. Or or like, I think that's, you know, that's a good point. I think there's also a common misconception that we're just, you just, you're focused on one person. Like, that's not it. I mean, you want to actually get the right person. Like, that's important. I think one of the, that's on Clay before the show. One of my biggest nightmares was prosecuting someone that didn't do it i mean that's you know you got you got to live with that i don't know how you you know you do that i mean and we've seen examples of that like what happened with force all good and the kennedy brewer cases and all those things so yeah we i mean you want to get the right person it isn't just about let me just go get somebody so yeah that makes no. sense to me no so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and i mean i think that they feel pretty confident we'll end it with this unless y'all want to add anything to it obviously jsu police feel rather confident in who they got because there's not a there's not even a hearing set for the main suspect right now, and the other one's not till the middle of November for the driver. So and they're not rushing to try to get these guys out. There's I guess there's no bond set. So clearly they they feel rather confident in, in the in the evidence they have. Yeah, it sounds, that's what it sounds like to me. I mean, and they have not presented this to the grand jury yet, though, right? Because it just happened a few weeks ago, so I assume they wouldn't Correct. have, right? And uh, yeah, again, you'll see. I guess they'll have to go through that process and see what happens. Look, I mean, God, I mean, look, I know that. It, let's just spin this forward a little bit. If these guys are innocent and they're having to sit out here for months, weeks, and months at uh, in Raymond, that that's hell on earth. That's horrible. That 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 is that. If that's true, if they are innocent, yeah, that's a terrible thing. But it's it'd be worse if they actually got convicted. So if we get it, you know, right, that's yeah, important thing too. Absolutely. All right. Well, Russ, <clears throat> you obviously have your finger on the pulse of this uh, this election between Tate Reeves and Brandon Presley here lately. The debate was the other night. <clears throat> what did you think about it? Um, I said going into the debate that I didn't think it would change anybody's mind. And I think that's largely true on these things. I mean, first of all, I'm not sure how many people watch the thing. Um, you know, I know that there were some problems. WAPT obviously hosted the debate. They did a good job. Uh, the, I thought the, the moderators did a good job. Um, but it was supposed to be rebroadcast through uh, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I got a lot of people who were sending me messages telling me that uh, the streaming is not actually working. So who knows how many people actually uh, watched it. Even if they could have watched it, the, the World Series was on. Uh, for least, some folks, that was a least watched World Series of all time. Really? Was it? Yep. Really? Average ten million people a game, nine it, million people a game. Least watched of all time uh, as of this morning. And you know how much I love baseball. And I, I, I was. It was really boring. It was. Just, it was a boring series. Um, and I had the debate on and the series on actually at the same time. And doing both. Uh, yeah, I was doing both. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, it's a. It was a boring series, really. Which is kind of crazy because this baseball season, not to get off on a baseball tangent, was one of the most highly watched baseball seasons in like twenty years. Yeah. Because of the change in the rules. So that's wow, that's crazy. Well, well Arizona heard it. Maybe that's what it is. Like the two teams are not the like the teams that you'd want to see, and like the Phillies got kicked out, and everybody thought the Braves were going to. Ma- I mean, the Braves had one of the best baseball seasons ever this year, and uh, then that happened. So it wasn't. I guess I could see it from that angle. I'm not going to return to watching it until the Yankees are back in the World Series regularly. Um, <laughs> which, that's a weird side story. How it became that. It's funny you say it because I'm not a Yankees fan, but those were actually the exact things I mumbled to myself this morning too. I said, I said we really need the Yankees. Back back in here mm. because either you love them 
or you hate them, you either pull them for them to win or you pull them for them to lose, they're a great villain or hero, depending on your perspective. Yeah, it's like the Dallas Cowboys, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, people yeah. either love they the are. Cowboys or they absolutely hate the Cowboys. Yeah, I mean, could, or or Bill Belichick fans. and the Patriots back when Brady was there. That's my foil because my team's in the AFC East. So I, didn't, I don't really care about the Cowboys one way or the other. Well, you get but, fans yeah. of other teams that tune in to watch them lose because they hate them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like well, the entire it, NL East. Yeah, I don't know Not why NL, the Cowboys I mean, inspire that much hate throughout. Yeah. I don't know where that stems from for that specific team. Maybe it's just the glamour of Dallas and the team. I don't know. What the great is. glamour of Dallas. Yeah. You know, what, what I'd say on the debate, though, is that, I mean, you, you've, you had people swinging for the fences in that debate, right? Mm-hmm. So clearly the goal, if you're Presley going into that debate, is can I land a knockout blow? And candidly, if you're Reeves, the goal is, hey, I don't want to say anything that at the end of the day becomes viral, right? That becomes news after the debate. I don't think either one of them had any blunders that were going to change the trajectory of the election. Uh, I don't think either one of them scored a knockout blow. I thought Tate was very good on sort of substantive issues when he was talking about education reform and, and the advances that have been made there. I thought he defended his record fairly well on tax reform. I think Brandon is a natural on the stage, right? That doesn't necessarily translate to necessarily being the best leader or the most competent executive, but when it comes to standing on a stage and looking like he's confident and comfortable, I think he does that very well. He reminds me a lot of an old Baptist preacher. I, I, I said well, the Baptist preacher makes a lot of sense, too. And I also said he reminded me a lot of the, the old guy at the small town diner with his little one-liners, zing-zingers. He's the guy that probably has to sing a song before he does a shot. You know, just that guy, center of attention, look at me. But it, it, he did come across like he had really thin skin. On this thing, because every time Tate said his name, well, hold on now, he said my name. I got a, I got a rebuttal. He said my name, Mama, Mama, Mama. Well, the, the funny thing about he said my name, I mean, that's that's very common if you watch these like large national primary debates where there are like nine people on stage. In a two person debate, you just get to respond. Like it, it doesn't matter if he said your name or not. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the difficulty for for Brandon is this: if you're going to have a conversation about policy. He's never been in a policy-making role. So I don't say this to begrudge him. He's just never had the opportunity to make policy. So Tate's over here talking about you know record tax reform, record teacher pay raises, improvements in educational outcomes, unemployment rate at record lows, and all of these things. And Brandon's got nothing where he could come back and say, well, I actually did something too, and here's what it is. Yeah, I thought one of the things, a big blunder on Brandon's part, and it sounded good until Tate called him out on it, and it was the the teacher who netted $23 a month with her $6,000 a year raise. What kind of math is that? Look, I suck at math. Fuzzy math, as George W. Bush used to say. I I suck at math, and that's $240 a year, give or take. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, look, I I think – the interesting thing about the teacher pay raise is we're literally talking about more than $5,000 a year in, in that single raise. Now, he talked about 6000 a year. He was referring to a earlier raise that the legislature had passed a couple of years back. You know, that's significant money compared to what most people in Mississippi have seen their incomes go up by over the last several years, right? Or down. Or down, yeah. right. And, and, and so one of the interesting dynamics is if you looked in, at 22 uh, when the teacher pay raise passed – all of these organizations, even left-leaning organizations, were out saying, this is great. They were celebrating it. They were thanking the legislature. A year later, the narrative is, it wasn't enough. It's not good enough. And I think at some level, if you're a conservative looking at that, going, hey, we gave the, the largest teacher pay raise in history, and within 12 months, people are saying it wasn't enough, 
the, the thought process becomes like, well, why do it in the first place if nobody's ever going to acknowledge that we led on this? And so, you know, I thought, I thought Tate did a fairly good job on the issues. I think, you know, he's got a wonky presentation style, right? He, he's a, <laughs> it's a good way of putting it. He's a, a good way of putting it. He's a it. numbers guy. Um, and it comes across. Yeah. So, you know, the, the net of it is, I don't know that anybody scored any, any big shots. Um, this race has been fascinating, if for no other reason than it is the first race that a Democrat candidate in quite a long time has had the resources to go dollar for dollar, which is candidly something I did not expect to happen. Sure. Why um, do you think it has? Clay and I were talking about this before the show, and we wanted to figure you could give a good take on this. Why do you think Brandon has raised? And I read your article, Skimming, when you sent it to me, you know, I was driving, and it said that Jim had he'd raised double the money Jim has at this point. And Jim Hood, you probably agree with this, was probably the best Democratic candidate in the last two decades. So why do you think Brandon's been more successful raising money than Jim was? So a, a few things. I mean, I think on paper, Jim Hood was the, the best candidate they could have put up in 19. Mm-hmm. Had been elected statewide, even as the state had switched Republican. Um, but candidly, I'm not sure that Jim Hood worked the way that Brandon Presley is working. So mm-hmm. I, I will give Presley this credit. I think he is leaving no stone unturned in the effort to become governor, right? And I don't think Hood necessarily had that same motivation. I think Hood, in a lot of ways, was told, hey, we really need you to run for this he office. He was kind of pushed into it. Yeah. And I think everybody kind of around the state I, knew that. I mm-hmm. think the other thing, and this may be discounted, is there is, I think, a legitimate anger at the state of Mississippi amongst national Democrats because of Dobbs. Okay. And I think a lot of people, even though Brandon says he's pro-life, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have been stirred by this idea, let's go out and get a skin from the state that gave, a, gave us the Dobbs decision. Um, and you're talking point. to some That's of these national point, donors. Yeah. I mean, why, why does Carla uh, Dravetson give Brandon Presley $55,000? She's the vice chair of Emily's List. Emily's mm. List is probably the nation's largest abortion advocacy organization, mm. right? Why is she giving $55,000 to a candidate who says he's pro-life, right? Right. And the only thing that I can come up with is that Democrats nationally really like the idea of sticking it to Mississippi for Kind of like a revenge tour kind of situation. Yeah. That's... That's a, cause that's a good explanation because I never really thought why Brandon would be – I just would figure Jim would have got that money because, again, like we, you just said, he'd been reelected, what, four times I think it was? And uh, he was uh, – Brandon has been a kind of a low-name ID public service commissioner. Not many people know who he is. Everybody knew who Jim Hood was. So I just uh, – I, I also so that, think there, there's this interconnectivity of that network of donors. And, and, and I mean, look what Stacey Abrams was able to do in Georgia. She raised sure. over $100 million. Raphael Warnock in that Senate race in Georgia mm. raised over $180 million. There's this interconnectivity between all of these organizations. Um, and I think once you open the door to one, you open the door to all of them. Well, I think Stacey Abrams is a, is a great par- – the Stacey Abrams-Georgia governor race is a great parallel here. You can raise a lot of money and still lose. Yeah, and I mean, look, yeah. if, if I'm prognosticating, I know there are a lot of people out there right now who are like, oh, it's going to run off, you know, Brandon might win. I still think it's a four- to five-point race in Tate's favor on election night without a runoff. Is it possible that I'm wrong? Yeah. yeah. But but, mm-hmm. but let me just say this. The polling that's out there, I mean, we ran, Magnolia Tribune ran the last <laughs> legitimate poll at the beginning of October um, that showed Tate up eight points, Right. We've not seen anything other than a Democrat Governors Association poll, which is, you know, not worth the paper it's printed on, 
that says that the race is really tightened. And it's interesting to me because Mississippi Today, for a long time, had partnered with Siena College to run polls. They were running monthly polls. The last one they ran was in at the end of August, had Tate up 11 points. And then they've not publicly put out any others. Now, it's possible they stopped running them. It's possible they kept running them. They didn't like the results, and they shelved them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a break real quick. This is the Clay Edwards Show with Sean Yurkaran and Russ Latino with Magnolia Tribune. We'll be right back. To the Clay Edwards Show. We are live here on 103.9 FM WYAB. We got Sean Yurkaran and Russ Latino with the Magnolia Tribune here in the studio with us. And this segment is going to be brought to you by A1 Gear and Auto. Guys, get over to A1 Gear and Auto today for all of your automotive repair needs, whether it's a check engine light or brakes or complete catastrophic failure. They can take care of it at A1 Gear and Auto. But what they specialize in is your ring and pinion. If you're having ring and pinion problems, trust me, you know what it is. I don't have to explain it. And it's hunting season, guys, so make sure your four-wheel drive is working good. If it's not, get over there to A1 Gear and Auto. I stopped by and saw my buddy Justin yesterday just to say hey. And um, he's going to be a part of our election night coverage here on WYAB. We'll tell you more about that as we go throughout the show today. But check them out. They're located right there in Florence, Mississippi, for all of your automotive repair needs. Right there on 49 South. If you're going south on 49 it's going to be right there on your right as you uh, as you get through Richland, right as you enter Florence. You can't miss it. Big white building, big red sign. That's A1 Gear and Auto. All right, Russ, uh, just to kind of finish up my kind of my thought on this uh, topic anyway about t- the, the the fundraising stuff and how Presley ended up with so much. It's, and I love, I love your theory about there's a little bit of disdain for Mississippi over Dobbs. I had not considered that option, at least not on a national scale. And I said, too, in 19, when Tate was able to – or when Hood didn't raise as much money or however you want to look at that, it was going to be hard because Trump was at his peak popularity in red states and peak dispopularity in blue states, I guess. That was 19, pre-COVID, obviously. It was going to be hard to beat a, a, a Republican governor for the Democrats to take a red state with Trump's popularity and all that. Now you got four years into Tate. You've got the COVID debacle. You've got some other things and the alleged connections to scandals and this, that, and the other. And he's kind of a wounded duck a little bit. It's he's beatable, at least in the eyes of the national the national donors. Yeah, I mean, I, look, I think part of any analysis, if you're going to give money, uh, is do I think this money will make a marginal difference in the outcome, or that could it make a marginal difference in the outcome? Could it see a Republican governor unseated in Mississippi? But I'd say that there, there's more to it than that, in that for a lot of these donors, it may not even be about winning Mississippi. It may be about showing that, look, we can be competitive everywhere. And the message that sends to, to Democrat donors across the country, which is, hey, stop sitting on your hands. Stop only investing in blue states. We've just proven that with resources, we can be competitive, even in a state like Mississippi. And so... I wouldn't necessarily look at it and say, okay, well, they've made a calculus and they think Tate is beatable. Certainly they think it's competitive. I think there's a bigger picture here where they're trying to send a signal to the rest of the country that we'll compete everywhere. That's a good point. That's a, it's, a, it's a heck of a symbol because Mississippi is that symbol, right? If you get Mississippi sure. or you're close, it is, it's, it's – um, I do have a question, though, about yeah. the um, – what do you? What is it going to take for Brandon to win numbers wise? Like, what percentage of African American turnout do you think he needs, and how many crossover votes do you think he needs? Yeah, so you know, um, 
in 2008, when Barack Obama was running for president, mm-hmm. um, 34% of the electorate was African-American, right? Mm-hmm. Um, historically, that number is around 30 to 32%, right? Mm-hmm. So Brandon needs to drive Barack Obama-level turnout for African-Americans, who are largely the base of the Democrat Party in Mississippi, um, and then he needs to swing, you know, 10%, 15% of Republicans um, from the Republican column into his column and or depress the enthusiasm such that they just don't even show up and vote for Tate, right? So mm-hmm. that that's the calculus. It, it has always been a difficult proposition, right, a difficult idea. Now, will I sit here and say it's absolutely impossible? No, because the dynamics in Louisiana – demographically are very similar to the dynamics in Mississippi, and John Bell Edwards was able to pull it off. Now, John Bell Edwards, though, when he ran as a Democrat in Louisiana, was running against unknown Republicans, right? He wasn't running against an incumbent. It's a jungle primary they have there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, a Republican just won there in the jungle. And, 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 and then it's over, right? Yeah. And, and Republicans have restored dominance. It was, it was a unicorn situation. Mm-hmm. So unicorn situations are possible where you have – just some remarkable circumstance that, that takes you out of the norm. And he was very popular down there, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and he, like I said, he really wasn't running against anybody on that first run. Um, so that, that put him in a unique position. Let, let me say this on the, on the fundraising, though. I think it's important that people realize that the vast bulk of the money has come from out of the state, right? Um, part of the analysis that we did that I sent to Sean this morning, you know, if you look at $10,000-plus donors, big donors – uh, it's for, cl- for both candidates? Yeah, well, uh, in this case, we were looking at Presley's okay. because I, I, other outlets have, have uh, very intensely looked at Tate's. Sure. Um, <laughs> I'll put it that way. That's how I, that's, that's how I look at, at, at negative uh, police coverage. There's plenty of other outlets to handle all the negative. <laughs> well, and, let, me, and look, let me be the positive. Just like when you get in the weeds on Twitter, I know it, you both of, all three of us are always looking at Twitter, and like, it just, there is, I know what Russ is saying. Just, yeah. It's constant. Like, look at Tate did this. Like, Tate bought this bubble gum. Well, you know? look, I, I think some of that is, is good. Like, I, I, don't, I don't have a problem with accountability on both Republicans and Democrats. I think it's positive. I, I think it, it, it had been done with, with Tate's uh, finances. It had not been done with Brandon's. So close to eight million of the eleven million that he's raised of ten thousand dollar plus donors uh, came from out of state. Democratic Governors Association is the largest amount, five point eight five million dollars. A lot of people talk about quote unquote dark money where we don't actually know where it came from. You know, certainly like you look at the McDaniel Hoseman race, there was a lot of conversation about does Chris McDaniel have dark money? And we were talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? Five point eight five million where we have no idea where it came from. Yeah. Um, that's been poured into Presley's campaign by the Democratic Governors Association. Over half a million dollars from labor unions that want to end right to work. Right to work is the policy that says you as a worker get to choose whether or not you're in a union. Mississippi is a right to work state. These organizations, one of their chief priorities is ending right to work. They've given over half a million dollars to Presley. The teachers unions that were involved in prolonged school closures have given $125,000 uh, to Presley. And a lot of people hear teachers union and they think, oh, are you attacking teachers, right? No, not at all. These teachers unions don't represent teachers. They're spending two to one on liberal or Democrat causes versus spending on representation of teachers. Um, they kept schools closed. They're engaged in abortion policy. They're engaged in all sorts of things that have nothing to do with education. These, let's pull it down to the lowest common denominator. These are our libs of TikTok teachers. 
you know, it, I'll, I'll it, say it. It, it's Randy Weingarten, yeah. right? And and mm-hmm. and these sorts of people who who really aren't interested in educational outcomes so much as they are being a part of that network of donors that advance certain types of causes. Um, and then you got people like look Reed Hastings' wife, who's the CEO of Netflix. His wife's given money um, to Presley's campaign. You know, just across the board, there's some very interesting people. You've got the abortion rights activists who have given money uh, to Presley's campaign. Now, I will say, Presley has said, and said during the debate, my donors aren't reflective of what I believe, right? And he pushed back on that idea. But I do think it's relevant to know that these donors that care about things like destroying right to work or pushing abortion access or really radical education policy – um, are the donors that are lining up behind the candidate uh, that is Brandon Presley. Very interesting. Let's take a break, come back. We'll have a little bit more landing strip than normal for our last segment. We'll be right back. Welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. Uh, we'll save the ad reads for the next segment. All right, top of the hour. We got Russ Latino, Magnolia Tribune. Tribune, I'm sorry, and Sean Yurkron. Guys, we're going to be kind of teaming up a little bit. Russ will be joining us by phone at the top of the 7 o'clock hour Tuesday, I think. Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday. So we're doing our, if you don't know by now, Sean and I are going to be hosting a live election night special here on WYAB from 7 to 10 p.m., a three-hour marathon. In the 7 o'clock hour there, at least the top of it, till Russ has to get to where he's going, he's going to join us by phone. We're going to break down... Um, What's going on in the election statewide? If there's any um, any any polling or any early turn-ins, we'll, we'll be looking at all that. So early returns, we'll be looking at all that and kind of see the direction, see what the temperature in the room is like. So, Russ, we appreciate you signing up to join us on our first. Uh, it'll be the first time we've done this. Yeah, so, looking forward to, to it. it. So, y'all be sure to mark your calendar, set a reminder in your phone now. We got our 7 p.m. Tuesday night. We got Bill Billingsley, one of Russ's buddies, going to call in too. Oh, great! And he's, Bill, uh, Bill's awesome, man. You know, and then what? Fr- Fred Shanks is calling. Yeah, in? I got Fred Shanks on the line. Uh, he, he says he's going to call in. I tried to twist his arm into coming out here, but like, I understand that from downtown Brandon to Florida, mm-hmm. it's not a hop skip away. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> if you're not getting paid, it's hard to it's hard to justify coming out here for it. But um, hey, and if you if you got a business and you're potentially interested in uh, being a partner for this event, reach out to me, Clay at wyab. Dot com. We would love to have you as a part of the show. We signed up a couple folks yesterday. All right. What else is going on? I, I tell you what. We got two. I want to play this. This little Elon Musk thing to take us to, maybe take us to the break. And this talks a lot about the left buying into states. This is about George Soros. I don't know if you've heard it yet, but this was on Joe Rogan the other day. I mean, Soros actually, you know, it, he, he is, I believe, the top contributor to the Democratic Party. Um, the second one was uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and Soros, I don't know. I mean, he had a very difficult upbringing, um, and uh, I, in my opinion, he fundamentally hates humanity. That's my opinion. Really? Yeah. I mean, well, he's doing things that erode the fabric of civilization. You know, uh, getting DAs elected who refuse to prosecute crime. That's part of the problem in San Francisco. And L.A. and a bunch of other cities. So why would you do that? Was it humanity or is it just the United States as a whole? I mean, is I mean he he's doing pushing things in other countries, too. He's not doing just the here. same thing? Yeah. Now, George at this point is pretty old. I mean, he's not, uh, you know, he's basically a bit senile at this point. But, I mean, he, 
he and, and he's he, he's a, he's very smart, um, and he's very good at arbitrage. You know, famously he uh, shorted the British pound. That's sort of how I, uh, I think he made his first uh, money was shorting the pound. Um, so he's, he's good at spotting, uh, basically arbitrage, like spotting value for money that other people don't see. So uh, one of the things he noticed was that in it, it, that that the value for money in local races is much higher than it is in national races. So the lowest value for money is a presidential race. Then next lowest value for money is a Senate race, then a Congress, and then but once. Welcome back into the Free Range Human Show of Choice, your daily dose of reality radio. This is. The Clay Edwards Show on 103.9 FM WYAB. Joined here in the studio this morning, Magnolia Tribune's very own Mr. Russ Latino and my good friend and yours, our favorite Bellhaven liberal, Sean Yurt-Karan. We're sitting here discussing a bunch of the election, potential election stuff, fallout. Real quick, let me tell you what's going on over at Burgers, Blues, Barbecue. They got the Madison location. They got the downtown Brandon location. And coming here within the next week or so, they're going to have the Flowood location in the same building there as Chipotle, so it'll be easy to find. It's a really nice building there. They've done a lot of work on it. It looks great. Hey, guys, you know everybody knows they're, they're well-known for their hamburgers, their all their food at the restaurants, but did you know that they can handle all of your office and holiday parties, catering events, whether it's five or 5,000 people, Burgers and Blues has got you covered. Do you need a food truck for a big event you've got coming up? Book it with Burgers, Blues, Barbecue. They got you covered there as well. You can also have your events at Burgers, Blues, and Barbecue. Reach out for availability. they got the big, huge outdoor patio area at the Brandon location. And I haven't been to the Madison location, so I can't speak on that. But their things are patios. That's what they're known for is their patios. So I'm assuming they got one. I know the new location has one, too. But check them out online, burgersblues.com. And today, the plate lunch special at Burgers, Blues, Barbecue at both locations is drum roll please friday catfish imagine that catfish that is the friday staple of blue plates in the south you got catfish and hamburger steak the side is turnip greens fried okra and mashed potatoes and i think i know what's for lunch today <laughs> so uh check it out that's burgers blues barbecue start online at burgers do they start um, serving at nine man i hope so <laughs> i think the madison location is breakfast or was doing breakfast or something like that i was like man I, I wish they would do breakfast at the downtown Brandon location because I could throw a rock and hit it from my house. Sean, at this point, has your Bellhaven liberal card been revoked? Oh, I, really? Oh, uh, yeah, probably so. Oh, whatever. You know, <laughs> no one likes me anyway, and I'm cool. I'm cool Are you even that. allowed in the Bellhaven next door? After <laughs> I've been trying to get you to go to Fertile Ground forever, and you're like, I don't want to go there because uh, you know they're going to know who I am. <laughs> like, get mad at me. Oh, Fertile Ground is awesome. About, no, I'm talking no, about Clay. No, <laughs> like, I, I'll go. It's, it, here's my problem. It ain't the going; it's the getting back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going. I'm going to party, son. Yeah, <laughs> that's an expensive Uber ride. That's the thing. In this day and age, you just you can't drink and drive anymore. Like, you have an excuse for it. I'm not saying you should have had an excuse in the past, but I'm saying that's what happened. I mean, that's yeah. what people did, you know. Have you, Some ever, people, have you ever seen the old video, though? And it's like a 1980s video of, like, people being interviewed yes. about the drinking and driving laws that were being enacted. <laughs> Tyranny. And, and there are people sitting in a truck who's like, you know, at the end of the day, I want to have a beer or two on the ride home. <laughs> and one lady calls it communism. Yeah, and it. it's, <laughs> that's, I got to look that up. It is hilarious. Oh, 
It's great. It's great. It's, it's in like they they always played on like those Instagram channels like Your Dad's America, yeah, and yeah. stuff. Back when we back when we could still smoke on planes and in bars, and I've never smoked a cigarette in my life, but I sure I sure miss the days that you could smoke on a plane. Playground yeah. equipment included climbing up a thirty foot pole that was <laughs> yeah. one hundred and forty degrees. <laughs> yeah, was a, I was I was getting into my car this morning. I left the gas station and I was getting in my car with my boots on, and jeans, looking like I should be getting into a pickup truck. And I was here. I am getting into a luxury car, and I was just thinking back to the days of when more men drove cars, like mm-hmm. back in the eighties. Like my dad had a big Delta eighty. You're right. My dad always had a car. My dad never had a yeah. yeah. Yeah, like this this truck phenomenon is something of the last twenty years. Yeah, and it's like you know you could be you could be a man and still drive a car. And I was just thinking about the how big the rear dashboards used to be. Like I could lay up in the rear dashboard. Seat belts were optional. Of course, they're still technically optional, but I wear mine. I've been through a windshield. I wear my seatbelt. But uh, anyway, I was just thinking about that. I was like, you know, we, how did we get on this truck phenomenon? That's the reason trucks are so dang high, and the guy who needs a truck can't afford a truck. I think they started coming out with cooler SUVs in the 90s. Remember that? Like Explorer came out. Expedition. It was different than the Tahoe. minivans of the 80s that yeah. were popular. And the, so it looked like maybe it was kind of like a boomer thing where – I remember my mom telling me a story of my dad bringing home a station wagon in the 80s, and she started crying, and then he had to take it back, you know, because yeah. he was like, I'm not old yet. And so maybe that was kind of the the you know, the uh, SUV craze was because of boomers being like, we're not in our 40s. Like, we've got a really cool-looking car. But yeah. it's really just a minivan. When, when I was a kid, we had a bright yellow LTD, you know, nice. the old boat, right? Yeah. We were styling. Yeah. The lanyard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And you could lay down on that floorboard, and that floorboard would get to about 120 degrees, right? Because you feel the warmth coming up. You know, those were good times as a kid. You know, it's interesting, though, that you talk about cars versus trucks. If you wanted to own a luxury car, you can own a very nice luxury car for less than what you'd pay for a truck. A a lot less. Absolutely. And and, and then you make it up in gas mileage, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, miles per gallon, whatever you want to call Mm -hmm. it. You know, I'm driving that. I don't want to talk. I don't want to tell the public what kind of car I drive anymore. Crazy people out there, but I drive a nice car. It's a Tesla Plaid S, yep. right? It's a Tesla Plaid <laughs> S. And zero to sixty in one point nine seconds, my zoom, man. Zoom, zoom. <laughs> my unfortunately, I, I got the one that still takes gas. <laughs> yeah. Or unfortunately, you have a Tesla that takes gas. Yeah. yeah. Well. Unfortunately, um, but you know, it's like you can. And I got a good deal on that car. Yeah. And I couldn't have bought a truck equal truck, same luxury, same trim level. For for less than forty grand. Well, you look at the prices that uh, the last few years. I mean, one of the biggest causes of inflation is the used car market. Candidly, yeah. I mean, it's thirty five percent in the last few years. Yep. Um, I've, I've worked in it the whole time. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. You're you're in that business so, or have been in that was, business. Yeah. Clay and I talk about this all the time. Actually, the other day I was telling him about the um. I watch um. I got into that PBD podcast right, and they have, he, so he, some people know who he's talking about. He's talking about Patrick Bet David. Yeah, the second most popular podcaster in my opinion behind Joe Rogan. It's great, and he had, they they were talking about the um, used car market, and they were talking about the next crisis is subprime auto loans. So there's 1.5 trillion dollars in in subprime auto loans out there, and that's the and the average car payment now they were saying is a thousand dollars a month. That's the average car payment. So that and and defaults on those loans are up like something like 300 percent this year over last year, some crazy number like that. And so they said that's going to be the next big economic fall right there is that is actually the, is the used car market or subprime auto loans, which I, thought, I never thought about that before, but that was yeah, that's pretty interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you look at the debt load across this country, just period, mm-hmm. right now, and it's up over $17 trillion in, in consumer debt. 
Right. It's, it's not sustainable. Well, and a lot of a lot they of did, bad. They mentioned that too. A lot of bad bad loans were given during COVID because they were able to use their stimulus money as 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 income. So let's just say somebody makes two thousand dollars a month. They were able to, you know, how much were some people getting? About a thousand dollars extra a week, so there were another four thousand dollars a month almost. Yeah, yeah around they four thousand. They were able to add that as their sure. as their income. Well, okay, well a thousand dollar note is quasi sustainable at that depending on what your other bill level looks like but then that stimulus money goes away and you're back to being a two thousand dollar a month employee you can't afford a thousand dollar a month charger or challenger mm-hmm. or whatever it is that that you chose chose to get and there was terrible loans given out well the notion of even spending 25 percent of your income on a vehicle <laughs> you know any sort of financial advisor Five ten years ago, would have told you you're insane, yep. right? And most lenders yeah. won't go more than thirty percent of income. Yeah, well, even that. I mean, that's and that's crazy. That's I mean, crazy. They, they used to tell you not to spend more than twenty five percent on your house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and now that's a problem too, though. Where it's just, we could, I mean, because the house payments have effectively doubled, I guess, since what about a year or two thousand twenty one? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's crazy because you had two point eight nine, you know, average interest rates. Yeah. In two, the fall of 2021, mm-hmm. and you're up over 8% or had been up over 8% recently. Um, yeah, your, your purchasing power has essentially been cut in half. I saw the absolute worst take I've ever seen in my life. I, it was so, so bad so that I shared it onto my Facebook page. And it was something to the extent, it was one of these wannabe realtor gurus telling people that if you have a mortgage locked in at 2.89% or whatever, sell your house. And take on a new loan at the higher interest because it'll make you grind harder and make more money. Okay. You're like, like wow. what? <laughs> Stick your brain in a blender and hit high. And that guy's a that guy's made money. This is why Here's I'm such exact- a fan of free speech because it, it reveals idiots amongst us. Yeah. I mean, you know, I found, I, I found it. The guy's name is Hunter Cold Calls. I guess he's like one of these sales gurus. And it says, if you have a 2.9 mortgage locked in, I have one piece of advice for you: refinance at eight percent now. The higher rate will motivate you to grind harder, and you'll end up becoming much wealthier in the long run. Is that that's got to be satire? That, that yeah, can't yeah. possibly be real. It, it, it's it's so next level satire. If it is, <laughs> that nobody thinks it's satire. <laughs> Maybe you and I, and I don't know that I hundred percent do, because I do believe that there are people that stupid, especially in that in that um, sales guru Ugh. sphere. There's a bunch. There's a bunch of. Uh, there's a bunch of bad people in that. Talk about the bad effects of social media. We're always off on you know obviously the politics uh, uh, tangent about what it's under our politics, but uh, you know the sales guru thing is really the biggest problem facing this country because well, that, 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 that's, that that's that's the real issue here. That and the manosphere. Yeah, yeah the manosphere. Right. The, Russ, are you familiar with the manosphere? I'm not. I'm not. It's the it's the. Uh, machismo guy or the the nerd really that's never had any luck with girls that is telling other guys how to have luck with girls and make money and (laughs) do these things and mob which means money over females don't they kind of fall into the sales gurus though right because they're selling something yeah they're they're selling they're selling false hope to a bunch of guys that have no chance and i I made a little tiktok video yesterday not a rant or anything like that i guess Mm -hmm. maybe it was but it was just me talking more than type stuff i'd seen a video that and I sent it to my buddy Corey, and I think I may have sent it to you too. I can't, I'm, I'm not sure, but it, it said it had a quote. It said, uh, "I just can't today," and it said, "Modern 19 year old." And then under it, it said, "Your grandfather at 19," and it was a scene from 
from one of these World War II movies. Saving Private Ryan Saving, or something. Yeah, the guy yeah. jumping from foxhole to foxhole, planes shooting at him, all this, and it had Metallica for whom the bells toll <laughs> playing in it. And I just got to think, it's like, my goodness, what has happened to this world where we went from that to I just can't today. And That's somehow or that that led to thinking about our generation. We're all Gen Xers, right? I don't know what I'm considered. I'm like I'm, I'm on the cusp. I think. When were you born? What's 1981? I don't know. You're, I'm you're born 79. The, so I'm, you're, you're you're right on the cusp. I mean, I think depending all, on, I, I'm I'm a 77er. I would call you a Gen X. You know, they call this. I read this before because I'm millennials. or like Carter babies because they're the smallest number of kids were born in that from like 1977 to 1982. It is the smallest number of babies until now. 1981. Excuse me. It will be fascinating to watch this period of time and compare it because look, I've been saying for a long time that what we're going through now in our country has very eerie parallels to the Carter administration. Mm -hmm. Elon Musk has been screaming from the top of mountaintops that we got to start having more babies. It is the greatest detriment to the human race right now is us not having more more children. Yeah. He's, he's had all this myth that the, it's not sustainable and all this. All that's a myth. It is absolutely sustainable, and it, we need to be having more babies. It's not sustainable if we stop procreating, particularly yeah. our economy. There, there's never been an economy in, in all of human history that has grown without population growth. Yeah, never, right. And so if we want our economy to keep growing. And, and well, we put, got population growth, just not the organic way. Well, well and, and, and candidly, that's why migration is not necessarily a bad thing, right? Mm. Um, but, yeah. but to put it in like, like real terms, it used to be that 18 workers supported one Medicare recipient. Now it's two, mm-hmm. right? So if you care about Medicare and Social Security and all these things that people have become reliant upon – you need to realize that, like, unless we figure out the problem that Elon's talking about, we're in real trouble. You know, I read uh, on that same vein. I'm willing kind of, to do my part. Kind of what both of y'all were just saying. <laughs> I, I read that, that's, uh, <laughs> you, you just have to find a willing participant, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I was reading this, uh, talking about just about that. The uh, two Republican governors of, I think it was maybe Minnesota, I know it was Utah, had, uh, Indiana, excuse me, Indiana and Utah had written letters saying, that you know they were in favor of increased legal immigration because of this issue because they were they had too many jobs in their states that they could not right. fill based on population and I'm fine with legal immigration by the way you know depending mm-hmm. on what we're calling legal what 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 is the bar sure sure but they were talking about that because like there wasn't there's just not enough population so they need they need that for the kind of jobs they have and they need more people more workers so yeah that's obviously a you know huge problem I think this is this is not just United States specific though this is going on in Europe and Japan as far as I know. Yeah, uh, to finish it up, my thought before we go to break, real quick. We could have a whole conversation about this. I think this is a, a great topic, uh, just about that video and about kind of the difference in the children today or humans today versus even even our generation is of Gen Xers yeah. or even early millennials. Is that people don't know? People do not know how to deal with um, a rejection anymore. Like if we went to go talk to a girl when we were younger, you had to walk up to her, yeah, and you had to. Find the courage to make eye contact and be a closer. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's swipe left, swipe right. You never even know if you got rejected because you didn't match. There's so many, you know, that's a really good subject. There's so, so many Learning articles about how this is, is very important. Yeah, that's, there's articles about how this is just kind of warped our socialization. This generation's about because they've lived on their phones. They don't know how to socially interact with other people. Like, there's no way, like, a kid that's probably under 25 is going to go into a bar and walk up to a woman. What I read about that is what they say is unless they've met you online prior to that, then it's kind of like, whoa, what are you doing? What do you mean you're talking to me? I don't this know is, who you are. This is sexual so, assault. Yeah, that's, that's, that, yeah. 
So anyway, just a thought, I, kind of random there. But I, I could again, that's something else I could do a whole show about because I think people need to learn how to deal with rejection because people take rejection now as confrontation, like like being rejected. You, you'll see some of these people who have um, hit on girls online and stuff. And I'll just see the screenshots and. The second they say no, I'm not interested, or I've got a boyfriend, or whatever, it goes straight to, oh, well, you're a, you're a, fill in the blank bad name for a female. It's like, that's probably not the, the path you want to take there. It's like me, even selling cars, and that's kind of what made me think about this. Having to tell somebody they didn't get approved for a loan, mm. it turns, and I worked at a buy here, pay here dealership for a while. Even telling them, no, you can't buy a car, I mean, they go, they're ready to fight you nowadays because they got rejected. They don't, people have never been told no. Like face to face anymore. It's a, it's a very weird thing, and I think it has trickle down effects on our society. So, all right, let's take a break real quick. Come back. We'll get this train back on the tracks here. This is the Clay Edwards Show. Welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show, guys. This segment we want to welcome aboard Pure Air Consultants. Pure Air Consultants is celebrating their twentieth anniversary of delivering exceptional heating and cooling systems to central Mississippi, and they want to offer you a rare gift. That's right, something for free. How about free labor warranty, a free labor warranty for five years? Are you tired of expensive heating and furnace repairs or high utility bills? Specialties at Pure Air Consultants include heater installation, furnace installation, heater repair, furnace repair, heating maintenance, heat pumps, heat recovery, ventilator installation, new construction build, thermostat installation, and more financing is available. Contact them today at mypureairconsultants.com. Ream, a new degree of comfort. Guys, check out My Pure Air Consultants for all your heating and cooling needs, and we want to welcome them to the Clay Edwards Show. All right, we got Sean Yorkron and Russ Latino, magnoliatribune.com. We've kind of run the gamut today on a bunch of different topics uh, what I want to circle back to is at the, at the end of the hour there, we, we played a clip from Elon Musk on Joe Rogan, and he talked about the the value of investing into local elections, whether it's DAs, mayors, even governors on a statewide level, versus the value on <clears throat> senators and congressmen and presidents and whatnot. And I think that's what we're seeing with this the, the donations into the Presley campaign. And uh, even like here on a local, very local level, the the DA in Hines County, Jody mm-hmm. Owens. Uh, so I, I think that other, obviously, other invest, I say investors, <laughs> they're kind of investing. Other donors are, are, are seeing the same thing, and that's why they're putting money into Mississippi. There's been a lot of Soros money in terms of the DA that I know of, the DA races around the entire state. Yeah, you they know, interviewed one of your friends, didn't they? Which. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't want to remain nameless, yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, but the, uh, the, yeah. He, the, didn't, he didn't qualify. No, 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 no. And uh, the, um, well, like in the Scott Colomb race right now, he's running for re-election right now. And by the way, I know Scott very well. He's a great prosecutor. Nothing but good. He's to a good about. guy. He's a wonderful guy. And um, he um, beat Forrest Allgood. And now that's one of the, I think they're using against him this time is that he got Soros money back then. Um, but Forrest Allgood obviously had a record of, that we were talking about earlier the, the show, about some people that got convicted and they were innocent. Not saying that I'm not blaming this on Forrest. I'm just saying that's what happened, and it was kind of an aura of that. And um, the um, so Scott was able to win. Scott's done a wonderful job. Somebody who did, you know, but that was Soros money invested in that race. Just like a lot of the DA's races I know uh, west of I-55 in more predominantly African-American areas of the state, or Soros has invested money in those races as well. 
Russ, I want your thoughts on this. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they're, it's undoubtedly true, right? We put so much emphasis on national politics. It, it you know, takes control of the news cycle, um, and we get so fr- tied up in that. The reality is not very much stuff happens in Congress, right? There's gridlock all the time. It's impossible to get anything done. The things that affect your day-to-day they give life. Our, they give our money away very well. Yeah. Well, but they're, they're doing that almost on autopilot at this point, right? Yeah. Um, the things that affect your day-to-day life that you have the most influence on are things that happen in your local community, things that happen at the state level. Um, and so it's also a lot cheaper to impact policy at the state level and in your local community than it is on these big national scales where media costs so much money. Um, and candidly, I think for a long time, Democrats had the wrong strategy, which is they were focused on winning national elections. And what you saw was Republicans for a very long time were focused on governor's races. They were focused on state legislatures. And because of that, were able to take control across the country, really. And I have Democrat friends who would lament. Uh, Marty Wiseman's one of these guys, you know, the Mississippi mm-hmm. State professor, liberal guy, but good guy said, like, you guys are doing it all right. Like, you figured out that the the recipe was to do local, and I think Democrats have finally waken up, woken up to that. And, oh, by the way, they are killing Republicans on the ability to fundraise right now. So you've got this entirely new class of billionaires uh, that have been created that are sort of like Silicon Valley mm-hmm. tech billionaires. Mm-hmm. It's not the old industrialists, industrialists of the old days. It's not the oil company guys. It's these tech giants, and they are they are dumping money in ways that like we've just never seen before, and predominantly it's going into Democrat and progressive causes, and so they've got so much money to burn, and they've got a track record or a strategy where they look at Republicans that did it well for decades. They're like, well, we can do that too, um, and I think it's what you see. And let me ask this. <laughs> and the, the other part of that, the tail end of that Elon clip that we, that we got cut off on. Mm-hmm. He says it, it's not so much about affecting policy and law changes. It's a it's it's a it's determining who isn't enforcing the current laws on the books, and that's why these DA things are so important. Yeah, and, we were talking about Wednesday, weren't we? I think we were talking about yeah, this. And yeah. What what could be the? Uh, does anybody have a have a reasonable answer? I guess it's a two part question. Why why do you? decide not to enforce the laws what is what what could be the possible end game other than just absolute anarchy and two can anybody show me where any of these democrat controlled cities have been successful i mean real talk where is a successful democrat city at under the current national agenda of the democrat party that all that seems to be bleeding into all these cities and maybe jackson just has my my reality blurred maybe there's a maybe there's a gym somewhere that i'm not aware of that's ran by a bunch of far left democrats mm-hmm. that that is just a utopia does that exist i mean why, you know why? look i'd say that there there undoubtedly are cities that are run by people that are democrats that are doing just fine some of them are wealthy communities right i think when you look at the communities that are the clearest examples of failed communities that's mm-hmm. where that's where your point makes sense yeah. Um, it, it, the leadership in most of the communities that people across the country look at as failed um, tends to be Democrat. That doesn't mean, though, that there aren't Democrat cities that are functioning normal. I mean, look, in, in Mississippi, um, I think George Flags has done a very good job in Vicksburg, right? He's a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there are examples like that across the state. 
you don't hear them. What you hear about is is Jackson because they don't have water and they don't pick up trash and the streets are falling apart and they're leading the country in murder rate. You know that's why you you focus on those. Is there things. is there a fa- uh, just a something that sticks out as a failed conservative city? I'm sure they. And exist. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not saying sure that facetious at all. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just. Is there something out there? Uh, is there a parallel? Um, yeah, I think Russ says. I think I'm sure there is. I don't know off the top of my head though. But I don't. But they, if, if you're looking at if you're talking about in terms of law enforcement policies, probably not. Right. I mean, yeah. not in terms of that. But I don't think we were talking uh, about infrastructure, this law enforcement. Well, it just seems like all the things. That, for some reason, they can't figure out how to make a city work. Well, we, you know, we were talking about the law enforcement perspective on Wednesday, and and I had listened to something weeks ago about this, where these progressive law enforcement policies are. It's not lib. I mean, it's not. It's not liberal to be able to steal. Like I don't know. That only it's part of the agenda. I don't know where that's coming from. Where that's become part of the far left. Where you know we're not going to prosecute for X, Y, and Z crimes, or we're going to abolish prisons, or whatever. Like that. Well, that goes back I don't, to Soros, right? Like that's like it's almost like an anarchy kind of situation. It's never been a progressive or liberal cause. I don't know where that part of the uh, that ideology came from. Where this is now what we're doing, especially I, here in well, California. I, I've I don't had know a little where, more thought on this. It, it, it goes back to the racial thing because they the, they're saying this. This ain't clear. We're saying sure, this is sure. them saying it that. That somehow or another this is this unequally or overcharges black folks for these type crimes because they're they're saying to me the white liberal the white progressive is this mm. enforcing this and promoting these causes are saying that it's more black people stealing we need to keep more black people out of jail and this is how we do it um, and, and you know I think that's probably I think there's definitely a racial component I'm sure on, on that but uh, but there shouldn't be no, crime is crime if you commit it you should be charged for it. But I mean, abolishing any mechanism enforcement doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, like, I'm yeah, with you. like I don't know where I don't I don't necessarily consider that like this is like a liberal policy. Like, we're going to just abolish enforcement. I think it's a crazy idea. Like I don't know where that and where that's now been adopted by you know factions of the far left where we're not you know we would want to do things like abolish prisons or uh, it's progressive, it's called progressivism well, I, for a reason. Be I guess right, like to abolish prisons, we're completely progressive. I, I mean, look, right. I think if we're honest though, there, there have been eras where. Uh, African Americans were targeted differently than than white people. Sure. There, there are there are clear proof points around sentencing and that sort of thing mm-hmm. that that show that often there has been disproportionate sentencing. Right, it's overreaction to the crack epidemic, right. pretty much. Right, and so that's what we had. but the the question then is: Okay, you've identified a perceived injustice or a real injustice. How do you respond to it? And it's not a rational response to say because in the past this happened. We're going to stop prosecuting crime, or we're going to stop punishing crime, and that and that's where it, it seems to me rationally that it fails. Right. It's like you should look at it and say, "Hey, look, let's make sure that we're not overcriminalizing, right? Because like we could be Singapore and we could cane people for chewing gum in public. That's a bad idea, right? Like that's a bad law. So let's make sure we're not overcriminalizing people's conduct. But if somebody commits an offense that harms another person or that harms property, there should be a punishment for that." Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they should, yeah. you know, people should be allowed to run a business in a city without having to worry about anything under $1,000 not being prosecuted. Yeah, I mean, exactly, right? And so this is now a massive overreaction to a massive overreaction. And here's what I mean by that. So in the 1980s, Clay and I, you and I talk about this all the time, there was a huge crack epidemic. Everybody knows about it. In the 1990s, politicians were hearing from their constituents, like, we've got all this crime. This is out of control. The Biden uh, crime bill. The, the, well, yeah, there was the crime bill in the 90s. So that was... Um, 
that was an overreaction to what had occurred for the previous 10, 15 years at that point. Now we saw 30 years later, the results of that did not work. That overreaction was a bad idea, the way people had been sentenced. And now we're having another overreaction to that overreaction, which is let's abolish prisons. Yep. So, I mean, I think that's kind of a problem. Like we maybe need to find a middle ground on this one day. Maybe so. Let's, let's take a break real quick. Come back. We got callers on hold. We got Russ Latino and Sean York Ron in the studio. We'll be right back. Back in to the Clay Edwards Show. We are live here on 103.9 FM. Guys, we got gun shopping this weekend. Swing by Guns and Gear, home of No Limit Ammo. And don't forget, they are hiring a sales associate. Get by there. Interview with Hunter if you are interested in an amazing career change. They're located right there on Highway 51 North at Yandel Road in Gluckstadt. Also, if you're car shopping, get down to Mercy House Auto Center in Crystal Springs, Mississippi. You can shop them online, Mercy House Auto Center. Dot com. If you're looking for something in that ten to twenty thousand dollar range, they got you covered. They've even got a few what you would call cash cars available. So if you're looking for something very affordable, maybe something to get you by or a teen's first vehicle, check out MercyHouseAutoCenter.com. And if you have a vehicle to donate and you want to get the tax write off, running or not, they will come take get it off your property and tow it off. That's Mercy House Auto Center. Might give a shout out real quick to Chad Romadell. He donated a vehicle to Mercy House, and he's a daily listener and a good friend of mine. So shout out to Chad. Appreciate you uh, doing that for a good cause. That that goes to help beat addiction and put fathers back in homes. That's Mercy House Auto Center. Guys, let's go to the phone real quick. Sean, we've got your biggest fan, Jerry, here on the line. Hey, Jerry. Hey, man. Man, I've, I've started a fan club for, for Sean. So. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be down at Fertile Ground, and uh, we'll, we'll let all of us wear blue hair so we can, you know, so we can hide hide together with him. Yeah, I hear they got some inclusive bathrooms for you too, Jerry. You should be pretty happy about that. Man, I, 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 if I got to go, I got to go. I'll, I'll include any of them. I don't care. <laughs> so, uh, you said something about the the lack of law enforcement is not part of the the progressive agenda. But did I miss that op-ed that you or Brandon Presley wrote in support of the uh, Capitol City Police or Capitol District Police? Because all I kept hearing from everybody on the progressive Democrat side is how racist and horrible it was in public. But under the table, they were all trying to, hey, can you uh, cut my business in and my church down here? But can you give me a date of that op-ed that you and Brandon Brandon put together? Now, I will say, in in Sean's defense, he's been extremely outspoken uh, in support of the Capitol Police and even has even suggested he's going to vote for Tate because of Brandon saying that he was going to fire Sean Tyndall. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to step in there on Sean's oh, behalf. I missed I, I missed I missed it. So you're you're saying that the progressives are far law enforcement, but I don't well. That's I, not what I, I, no, Jerry. That's not what I said. What I said was this. I said when did being able to put it simply the ability to be able to steal when does that become a liberal issue? Like initially, I mean, it wasn't, but now we've reached like. Being liberal is, means I can steal, and I was talking about how ridiculous that is because then that wasn't well, initially. You are, what, so you're agreeing that being liberal does not that they don't prosecute crimes like in California. I or think wherever. there's a there's a portion of the of the of the far left that agrees with this theory of just you know abolishing prisons, not free the prosecuting land, free the people, which I don't agree with. Which just I don't know how that's that has morphed into. I don't know how that morphed from liberalism is what I'm trying to say because I mean it isn't it's not the new civil rights stealing's not the new civil rights movement is my point it's just not well, it's I not it's just it, not it's kind of know. like being compassionate to, uh, to people is now opened up we have to bring the world with all their problems in you didn't see that on the Republican side but well I shouldn't say that we do have Roger Wicker and Michael Guest who I will say yes they will feign all the 
oh, my God, we got to do something for the border. They ain't done nothing, and they're not going to. And uh, but I I didn't I'm, I, I apologize I didn't know that you were I don't listen all the time that's why I need to subscribe to your newsletter and your <laughs> blog I didn't hear that I, d- I don't have a blog news- Jerry maybe I should start <laughs> you one you should you should yeah uh, we could do on, one together man if you want you know yeah, Jerry pre- appreciate it brother yeah I see you, man thank you right, bye. bye all right. I had to get Jerry in there. Got to start working on my go, blog now. Go I have a blog. talking to Jerry. Sean, you're you're a bit like me in the sense that you're politically homeless in, in some ways, right? It's Absolutely. Like, you know, you. It's you, tough, man. I'm sure. I'm sure liberals <laughs> think that you're a plant. Uh, oh, at this my point because yeah, you know, I'm sure, and you, I don't you care. may be. And then, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, yeah. and then Republicans don't buy it either. No, I know. Just, so it's just you can't. Yeah, you can't have divergent views anymore. The, it's the problem with being nuanced and trying to call balls and strikes is that people don't know which team you play for. Yep, and that's what's important, man. You got to be on your team. Right? You got to pick which one. I've oh, I've got one of my uh, best friends works for a. So many different Democratic campaigns, and he just you know he calls me basically a corporatist Democrat constantly, or you know just I mean it's 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 bad, but no, hey, that's what I've you're gonna get the, it, man. I mean, I've been accused of being on the take for Tate and Brandon in the last in the last <laughs> couple of weeks, so I, I get it to an extent. In which I'm like, look, one thing I ain't on the take for is a is a Democrat. I, I I can assure you. Well, I mean, just you know, I think sometimes you just have to. You can't just assume. Because somebody else on the other side does something that it's just wrong. Like, automatically, well, that's got to be wrong because they did it. I mean, what am I going to do? Say Tate, Tate was backing the Capitol Police. That was a bad decision. Yeah. Um, I haven't – nobody's carjacked anybody from my house in two years. So I think it was a pretty good decision because two years ago that happened. And, I mean, I don't know how, like, how that's something to, to debate. Like public say, like it's it's worked, it's been effective, and it's benefited the entire community. And there's really no debate to that. And well, so I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm going to compliment the guy because I do appreciate that portion of yeah. what he's done. I really do appreciate that. Th- this was my joke when when Hunter Biden sued the IRS. I was mm. like, you know, Alex Jones' head is going to explode <laughs> yeah. because it's like, wait a second, I hate Hunter Biden and I hate the IRS. Like, what, who what, is worse? Who is? What do I do? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, it was like yesterday. I, I, I am I am for sending zero dollars to any foreign country, whether it's Israel, Ukraine, or whatever. But when when they when the when the House passed a bill to send fourteen billion dollars over to Israel, and the money comes from Joe Biden's infrastructure money for the IRS, I was like, "Well, this is how you get me on." On sending money overseas, as you take it from the IRS, from so the IRS. I'm all for foreign intervention now. <laughs> you like send I, the IRS? I prefer that we not spend it Operation at all, but Shield. I'd rather you spend it on this. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, well, if we must, if we must, if we're taking it from those eighty-eight thousand new IRS agents. Sign me up today. Let's take a break. Come back where we got a little bit more landing strip to end the show for the day. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Clay Edwards Show. Hey guys, are you doing any uh, DIY construction type projects this weekend around the house? Contractors, y'all going to be doing any work? Holler at reliable rental equipment for all of your equipment rental needs. Everything from bulldozers to zero-turn mowers to trailers to dumpsters. They can do it all. They got it all. They're at Reliable Rental Equipment located at Meadowbrook Road in Jackson, Mississippi, right outside Fondra. They're a big brand new building, gorgeous facility. I'm sitting here looking at it online now. You can check them out online at ReliableRentalEquipmentMS.com. Holler at my boy Brad Patridge over there. Let him get you rolling. That's ReliableRentalEquipmentMS.com. All right, man, we got a few minutes left here. 
with Russ Latino from the Magnolia Tribune and Sean York Caron. Guys, I guess in closing, you know, we'll wrap up about the election stuff a little bit here. We're talking about it uh, in the break. That, do, do we think that, I, I guess we already answered this, but I'll ask it again. Do we think Brandon's got a puncher's chance? I mean, the polls would suggest he did if you believe the polls. Yeah, I mean, again, the last credible poll in my mind had Tate up by eight points. I think that that window's closed. Brandon's Brandon's closed some ground. He's got some momentum. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's always a puncher's chance. My prediction is still Tate wins by four or five points on election night without a runoff. The the real consideration is what happens with Gwendolyn Gray, who was the third-party candidate who dropped off the ballot but dropped off too late for her name to be removed from the ballot. So her name will still be on there. You know, is there enough protest vote that would send it to runoff? Because really, Tate's running against 50%. He's, he's not necessarily running directly against Brandon for purposes of this thing. Yeah. Um, and my, my take on that is this. Generally, when there are people who say they want to do a protest vote, right? I don't like either candidate. And then they get in the booth and they say, one of these two guys is going to be governor, so I'm going to pick one. And so that ends I up want to being, pick a winner. Yeah, so it ends up being a smaller number than people predict on protest vote. So I, I think Tate will end up pulling it out, but it's been one hell of a competitive race. It, it, it has, and it says a lot about about Tate's unpopularity and it's just some of the things that I believe COVID or for whatever reason you dislike Tate uh, has created that scenario. I remember during COVID, a lot of the stuff you saw online was one-term Tate, one-term Tate, one-term Tate. Yeah. And uh, – I didn't think that would actually be a possibility. I, I thought if we had a one-term Tate, it would be because somebody got him in the primary, not because it was going to be a legitimate d- Democrat contender. Now, do you think uh, Tate has had this likability problem from his first election, too, for governor I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So, and it's just been exacerbated, I guess, over the years with COVID and, and whatever else, uh, the you know, supposed corruption, I guess. He ended up in front of a camera way more than he ever should have been during COVID. Mm-hmm. And I think it cre- it helped exasperate. exasperate An already unpopular person, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I didn't already... think of him as unpopular necessarily then, but I do now. I, I think, look, at some level, though, that sort of Jackson narrative about Tate's unpopularity has been going around mm-hmm. since he ran for treasurer. He's won five statewide elections. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's possible that some of that stuff is a narrative that's a little overblown. It's also possible at the end of the day that what people are looking for in a governor or a president is not how much do I like that personality. It's how much do I think that person is going to get things done and things done consistent with what I believe. A lot That's of people the voted Trump for argument, Trump. Right? Yes, great. So, great. And, of course, Trump has now endorsed Reeves. I'd say this, too. I mean, you know, you got to give some credit to Brandon. As a retail politician, he's very good. I said very early in this race, I didn't think he stood a chance, and I didn't think he stood a chance because of the weird demographic dynamics and because of money, but I said if he was able to get a bunch of money, he could make it a race. He got a bunch of money. He's made it a race. I still don't think it's enough. Yeah, he made the most out of that debate. I mean, yeah. like I, I, I've said I thought Tate won because I thought he, I thought he hit him with a, body, with a death punch there at the very end on the pro-choice stuff and the, the money from outside folks and selling his soul for 20 bucks and all that. I just thought – it, it ended well with that for Tate, and it kind of made you forget about the body blows he took throughout it. Uh, you made a great point as we run out of time here about um, Tate saying, look at me when I talk. To, I mean, uh, Brandon telling Tate to look at him when he talks, and Tate stood attention and looked at him when he talked. That showed dominance, and I would forgot about that. 
And I know a lot of people look at stuff like that. So that's going to be a big well, thing there. That's like Trump in 2016. I mean, that's how he won those debates. It was He was the most entertaining person on that stage. Debates are a performance. I mean, that's really, they're not about substantive policy. They're performances. In 1960, people that listened on the radio thought Nixon had won. People that watched on TV thought Kennedy had won. So, yep. I mean, that's really, it's just a performance art. All right, guys. Russ, appreciate you. Y'all check out magnoliatribune.com. Sean, thank you. I'll see Sean back here Tuesday for our election night special coming up next on the Jim Thorne Show. It's the country cowboy, Dave Guthrie. We'll be see y'all later.